Hey, welcome to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. Leaving a financial legacy isn't something that happens by accident. It takes planning. We've put together a guide with seven steps to leave a financial legacy and have made it available for free on our website. This guide covers designing your legacy, estate planning, financial education, and protecting your legacy. The link to download seven steps to leave a financial legacy is listed in the episode description, or you can go to wiserinvestor.com, scroll to the bottom and find it there. Now on to today's episode. Welcome to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. We believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith, and today we are joined by guest uh, Nick Rosenbauer, uh, estate planning attorney at Rosenbauer Law Office. Uh, He is the host of his own podcast called the Complete Estate Planning Podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about estate planning for uh, young adults. Hey, Nick. Hey, how are we doing, Casey? So happy Friday, right? <laughs> That's right. Thanks for uh, doing this with me. Uh, it's a small world. Uh, Hadley, our marketing uh, guru here, she connected us uh, since we both had had podcasts and our theme this quarter is legacy planning. But in addition to that, you're in uh, my family's neck of the woods up in Ohio. Uh, I grew up in Georgia, but my dad and his uh, family are uh, grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, gotcha. Well, I'm I'm originally I'm a Kentucky boy, um, so but Northern Kentucky, like I, I I have all my teeth. I don't really think I have an accent, and uh, right. uh, there were no cars on blocks in our front yard. Although one street over, like we weren't far from that <laughs> growing up. And then uh, uh, I moved up to Ohio, went to University of Dayton for law school, and that's where I met my wife. So we're uh, so we've uh, we've been there ever since. I'm a I'm a convert. Uh, been uh, an Ohio guy for the last about 15 years or so. <laughs> if our listeners ever make their way up to Ohio or in Ohio and haven't done it already, um, Wright Pat Air Force Base has one of the best uh, museums, um, Air Force museums. Uh, they had the, a complete collection of um, uh, former um, uh, Air Force ones. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that uh, two weeks ago. It was a crummy kind of a rainy Sunday, so I have a three-year-old and a six-month-old, and we uh, we took them, and it's free, uh, by the way. It doesn't cost to get in, and it is it is massive. So Wright Pat Air Force Base has its own zip code. Uh, that's oh, how wow. massive. That's how massive the Air Force Base is, and the museum. Um, I think it has eight. I think it has seven or eight different um air force ones and you can even go up some of the newer ones you can go up and walk through them yeah um like i i went up with my son a couple weeks ago we went into the one where um and they even had a little plaque that said this is the row of seating that was taken out for kennedy's casket when it was home yeah they they have they have the uh um what what airplane is that that was the 707 i believe um that that uh, yeah. <laughs> they were flying at that time as Air Force One. Yeah, I remember that. I remember walking through that as a kid. Did it still have the plexiglass up where you got shocked as you walked through it? <laughs> well, in the wintertime uh, when there's the static, yes, they have the plexiglass <laughs> up. Um, but yeah, you can see all the seating and like the little tables and like there's even a little like, you know, presidential desk that's still there with the old uh, with the old rotary phone and everything like that. But all of that, it's fantastic. Um, they have a whole lot of the intercontinental, intercontinental, like the ballistic missiles. Yeah. Like if, you, if you've seen those and those are 
you know, 50 feet up in the air, you know, in the rocket ships, but yeah, it's, it's fantastic. The kids I love they had, it. Uh, LBJ's um, <laughs> Cessna 150 painted little tiny airplane painted in air force one cars. He flew on his ranch. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that's uh, that's funny. We 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 only got to do a couple different exhibits because the six month old it was past his uh, nap time. But uh, no, it's it's fantastic. It's still up, and you know it's free. I always donate because my goodness, if if we can do all this fun stuff for free, and it's worth a lot of money to entertain both of my kids uh, when it's raining. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so let's kind of jump right into it. Uh, I know our listeners want to hear more about museums. I have, I I know where all the best museums are, but that's, that's the different, that's a different podcast. Right. (laughs) Um, so let's talk about estate planning for young adults. You know, it's amazing that so many young people think, oh yeah, I probably should do that. Or most likely some of them think, oh, I'll have to do that when I get older. Cause you never think you're going to die at, uh, 18, 30, or 40, you know? Um, so, you know, you, you do a lot of this work. Um, what, who, who do you think can be affected? By well, not having- one, first off, the thing to, to think about is, yeah, obviously, you know, when I was 18 years old, I assumed, well, I'm not going to die for at least 50 years. So, um, <clears throat> What I've heard people described is they'll say it's important, but it's not urgent. Like it's not something that I need to worry about now. I need, you know, they don't say I don't need to do it, but a lot of people will say I got time, you know, to get to it. Like, and I'm sure you have a lot of people, if you talk to a 20 year old who said, I know I need to save for retirement, but it's not mission critical yet. Okay. So that's kind of the analogy that I, I like to use, but Um, You know, obviously something can happen to someone at any age, Um, you know, certainly you you hope it doesn't happen, but um, selfishly, first off, if if something happens to you, um, someone needs to be able to make decisions for you and and step in if you got sick, if you were in a car crash, um, you know, something bad like that happened um, and you can't speak for yourself. Someone needs to be able to do it. So I always start with the selfish part of it. Um, and then for those people who are married uh, or have a partner, well, you know, if you, you know, if I get sick tomorrow, um, my wife needs to be able to carry on, make decisions, you know, if, you know, talk to the doctors, decide what to do with me that sort of thing. And that's assuming I don't die. Uh, if I die, how does she make sure that she gets the inheritance, which, you know, we're married. So I'd say it's our money. So why does she have to fight to get what's hers? And sometimes this could even include, you know, joint or shared assets, depending if it's set up the wrong way. Um, and, you know, even if she'll get all of it, all these hoops she has to jump through, um, and then one other thing, and obviously every state's different, but if there are stepchildren involved, so it's a second marriage, sometimes the spouse is not entitled to everything. So yeah. I've had situations where um, husband dies and then wife is fighting it out in court with the stepkids over who gets how much. And, and I've had, I had one situation where the wife had to buy out the stepkids' share of the house just to stay in her own house. It was ridiculous. 
So people don't think about this stuff, but you know, if it happens, it'll be, you'll be in a world of hurt. Um, and then people who aren't married. Um, so I have people talk to me, we're engaged. What do we do? Well, you know, some people say don't combine finances or anything until you're married, but if you're basically married or, you know, what if you were going to get married, but then your wedding got canceled because of COVID, but the house is in joint names and, you know, the accounts are in joint names, you run into all the same problems, but you don't have the, and there's certain legal rights that you get as a spouse. Um, it's not great, but basically there's certain things that'll default till you'll get first bite at the apple. Uh, and if you're not married, all of that goes away. So you're nothing more than a live-in, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, or, or couch surfer at that point. So you don't have rights to anything. And then you end up fighting with the, you know, the blood relatives. So the siblings or parents or what have you to try to get something, even though, you know, legally nothing's going to you. So if you're unmarried, um, you know, it actually kind of makes it worse. Um, and that's just the adults. Obviously, Casey, if we have kids involved, everything's totally different. So I have a, a three-year-old and, and one who's six months. What about the guardians? Where do the kids go? Even if I don't have a dime to my name, um, need to make sure that I'm picking the guardians instead of leaving the local probate court to decide who takes them. And a lot of times they end up in uh, you know, foster care or child protective services in the short term because no one has the rights to them. So things like that um, can get hairy and can be you know, god awful for the kids on top of the fact that they just lost their parent. Um, and then, you know, also, if it's not a spouse who's going to be handling it, you know, you got to think of who's going to step in and begrudgingly clean up the mess. Who, who's going to be the one who goes to the probate court, gets turned down. Uh, and then realizes he or she has to go meet with a, a high-priced attorney, um, you know, and if that's a sibling or a parent, someone's going to end up, you know, gritting their teeth or being, you know, voluntold uh, by the family to kind of clean up the mess. And, you know, if they have nothing to go off of and they have to basically apply for every job and get court approval, you know, it, it can be, it's a mess for you and it's a mess for whoever counts on you or relies on you that you leave behind. So, you know, it's a selfish thing and it's a selfless thing to do. The, uh, uh, when I was in high school, I had a friend, her dad passed away, uh, make it complicated. I think he was overseas. It took a congressman wow. to him home. Wow. Uh, heart attack. Um, and the assets were divided amongst um, her and her mom and her sister. <laughs> and there was no step situation involved at all. These are all uh, normal, normal families, right? And so it was, um, uh, I, I just remember as a, at a very young age that it kind of stuck with me that, man, <laughs> you got to make sure you have a will or something, uh, trust or something in place that that avoids that. Because in that case, everyone was, it was a loving family. So everyone just passed everything back to mom. But I could totally see in a dysfunctional family, where that wouldn't happen at all. If they were young adults, they'd be like, oh, this is mine. Dad left it to me. And then you leave mom without the proper resources uh, to care yeah. for yourself. Because th that mom was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, she, she didn't have a career. So it, it's, uh, 
<laughs> that's a firsthand example of why you got to have planning, especially for children. Uh, we have clients that do foster care. I don't know that they're or they've had foster care um, in that particular situation or not, uh, but I know it's never a pleasant situation um, for a child to end up in foster care, obviously. No, and it's obviously. I mean, first off, I have family who do uh, who 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 fought who are foster parents, and it is saints' work. You know, I'll tell you what uh, to do it, but you know, at the same time, you know, what do you do with a two-year-old if mom and dad get in a car crash? They can't just leave the two-year-old at home alone right. for six weeks before the probate proceeding gets guardians named. So I'm not saying it's yeah. ideal, but. Someone's got to come get the kid right now. And it's usually not who you want. Um, and then even if one of the grandparents or someone dutifully, you know, goes and gets the kids, they have no legal rights to them. Um, a creative person could argue they were just kidnapped. So oh, if wow. there's right, if there's fighting over it, they say, who said you get the kids? Yeah. <laughs> so in probate, probate in Georgia takes about six months to go through the process. Um, and You're lucky. <laughs> I know some states are worse. So when with a child, with a child's involved, I know that the financial side necessarily wouldn't get sped up. But how fast, like in Ohio, does does the child issue get addressed if that were to happen? Well, the guardianship. Um, you're exactly right. They they will fast track that as much as they can um you know it's still the court system <laughs> so right it be <laughs> well and, and look i'm i like to rip on lawyers even though i am one so you know we'll, we'll take this for what it is but normally when you go to court it takes a long time um it's usually pretty expensive um so you know, depending on if you have documents in place like if they have direction from the deceased person uh, then the process is different. It's not necessarily a job fair of anyone who wants to apply to be the guardian of, you know, junior here. Here's your notice. We need to send notice to everyone in the family. And, you know, you have to give them time to think about it and hire a lawyer and get ready. Um, it is different if I die and, hey, here's the paperwork from Nick Rosenbauer that is nominating this person as the guardian. So the judge has something to go off of, and the process is more of a, let's make sure that the person Nick chose is proper and they're not, you know, abusive or in jail. So it's basically, they're checking over my answers versus, you know, having to figure it out themselves. Um, and again, I would trust my own judgment over, uh, we live in Butler County, Ohio, so the Butler County probate judge's judgment, and no one no one knows me. And then, you know, so it's just when it's contentious and we don't know where we're going, it takes a lot longer. Um, it's better to at least have, here's who I want. And then they get the fast track unless, you know, they're in jail or something, obviously. Right. You know, I read, uh, recently learned, um, when you turn 18, not only are you signing up for the draft, but you, you literally are cut off from your parents. Um, uh, medically speaking, uh, we, we read recently, about a case where an 18 year old got hospitalized, um, but the uh, parents weren't allowed to get any information. You think, well, that's my child. But when they're 18, things change. And so there's been a huge push uh, as you go into college to have 
all these documents uh, prepped and ready to go. The power of attorney, medical directive, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds crazy to think put an estate plan together for an 18 year old just sounds like a lawyer trying to make more money. Right. right. Um, right. But, you know, and I'm not saying you need some big complicated thing. I don't even know if I'm worried about the inheritance plan at that point, but exactly right. All of those rights as a parent to make decisions, you know, go to the bank, legal decisions, medical decisions, and then also access information. So find out what's going on more, you know, on top of decision making. Mm -hmm. um, that all goes away because your child is a legal adult. And for those of you listening, I just used air quotes, you know, when I said adult. Um, <laughs> um, and so all of a sudden they have their own privacy that is protected by law unless they grant you permission to make decisions or basically they they waive uh the medical privacy so we do we have a young adult uh, program here at our firm and so i talk to my clients and say if you have kids or grandkids they reach 18 they're going off to college you know we put um you know the medical directives the financial power of attorney uh, and a hipaa authorization you know which is the you know the medical privacy um, in place to allow most likely a parent, it's almost always a parent uh, yeah. to be able to make decisions if something happens to the kid and also get permission, you know, to the doctors or hospitals to communicate, you know, with the parents, if you hear something bad happens and you call the hospital and say, is my son okay? Right. So that's, you know, that's, that's all estate planning that all falls under the umbrella and I haven't said a word about their inheritance. They might they might not have two dollars to their name. Heck, the car is probably still in the name of their parents. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what are some of the uh, excuses or myths you think people use uh, to not start this process when they're young? Well, and you <laughs> and know, old, everyone and, and old for that matter. <laughs> Well, that's that's true. But I guess first one, it's all relative, but everyone says, well, I'm too young or I don't need it yet. Right. And I know we've already touched on it, but obviously um, in Ohio, in most states, when you turn 18, you're a legal adult. So all of those, I'm the parent, I get final say and I'm the parent. You have to tell me what's going on with my child. All of that immediately vanishes. And I'll be honest with you, you know, the, when, when, I when I do that for people, you know, the 18-year-old son or daughter of one of my clients, they don't give a rip. You know, they're not, <laughs> you know, they're not the ones doing it. Um, but uh, it's not on their radar. But at the same time, the parents, just like you said, are thinking, my goodness, what happens if they're away at school and I can't handle things or if I can't go to the bank and deposit money? Right. Um, so you at least need the basics to make sure you get taken care of if you get sick or you're incapacitated or unavailable. Um, and you know, if we're being legal about this, I would say once you're 18, then there's no such thing as I'm too young. Um, and then, you know, obviously I'm sure you, you deal with this too, uh, from your end, people say, well, I don't have any money or I don't have enough money. Um, and then I think what they're implying is that I don't have enough to where it's worth going through the trouble, right? It's, it's, right. I, I, have, I, I have nothing to take care of or deal with. So what's the point? Um, you know, what's the plan for nothing? 
Um, you know, but obviously it's more than just the inheritance plan. Now the inheritance plan, if you have anything, it's a good idea to say where you want it to go. Um, but you know, I think we, you know, it really falls into the last one of if I get sick, who can go to the bank, who can pay my bills. Mm -hmm. Um, if your son is away at college and you need to renew the tags on the car before they expired, can you do that? Not if it's in his name. Um, so if you need to, uh, if you need to change his Verizon phone plan, cause he's running out of data. Um, Casey, Casey, have you ever, you know, I know for us, Verizon's in my wife's name. Good luck calling Verizon or Spectrum or Time Warner Cable, right? And trying to get, right. <laughs> trying to get anything done if the account's not in your name. Right. Um, you know, so, so something like that. And, you know, that's, that's at any age theoretically that could happen. And then obviously if you have children, you know, guardians, I think it's probably more important than anything else, you know, taking care of, you know, the kids who aren't old enough to take care of themselves. Um, so you have a, um, uh, you think about young people, they, they invest a lot differently. Um, maybe not in significant assets, but you, you think about like digital assets, they're very yeah. comfortable in Robinhood. They're very comfortable in, in, uh, you know, Coinbase or, or crypto yeah. type, type investments. Um, again, you know, one, they have a lot of time to make things up and they realize that's probably not the best investment. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, and I say that as we, we actually have, we just launched a new podcast, um, uh, the Wiser uh, Crypto, uh, uh, the uh, Wiser Crypto Podcast. Um, ah. <laughs> uh, the wiser crypto investor, if I get the name right, sorry, there's, there's, uh, there were a lot of variations of it before we launched it. Uh, and, and, and I think there's a, certainly a place for it. It's more of an educational uh, type platform. We don't endorse it as a firm, uh, but there, there, obviously there is a, there's, there's going to be a future there. I just, I think that um, buyer beware in, in a lot of cases and you have to know what you're doing. But the point yeah. is for estate planning purposes, I mean, we're already reading about people who are early investors in Bitcoin and they lose their they lose their key to their wallet. And there's what wasn't there like uh, I think there's somebody with multi-million dollar uh, estate that <laughs> they couldn't even get in. Right. It's just millions and yeah. millions of dollars sitting there and they couldn't get in. Um, how does that work with young people and like, digital assets and estate planning? Well, a lot of it, frankly, is kind of a brave new world, and we don't know what's going to happen yet. And obviously, the law doesn't, you know, the law needs to catch up with technology. Okay. The technology comes first, and then the law is like reactionary, uh, obviously. Um, so, you know, first off, um, you know, what it used to be is the only thing I had to worry about was someone who had a lot of frequent flyer miles. You know, you have 500 okay. million, you know, and what if you had enough for a hundred flights? Yeah. You know, Never even thought about that. Yeah. Someone who travels a lot or uh, season tickets, Yeah, right? Like a seat license. Um, so if there's anyone, I'm probably the only one, you know, and you probably don't have any listeners who are big University of Dayton basketball fans. Um, but if uh, there is one out there, uh, <laughs> go Flyers. But um, we have uh, something with us. Uh, season tickets and your seat license, you can inherit it um, because there's a, there's a wait for it. it. It'll take us like five years. My wife and I have two seats 
and we now have two kids. So we want to get four seats and it'll be years before we get them. And frankly, we just need some of the the rich uh, donors who have the lower level seats to like die off. And then the kids (laughs) don't want them. So they open them up. Um, Right. But that used to be all it was. But now you have, you know, online bank accounts. Like I think Ally Bank is one of them. There's no bank branch for Ally. I can't go in anywhere, um, you know, and then uh, social media, you know, most people, their Facebook or whatever doesn't mean much, but right. what about a business page? You know, I know, I know you have um, uh, videos on your YouTube page. There's value to that. Um, how much do you think there's, there's some financial value to uh, Coca-Cola's Twitter account? Yeah probably worth hundreds of millions of dollars, all the people that follow it. So there's value there. Um, and then obviously you have things like, um, you know, the, the cryptocurrencies and things like that. So it's, it's reactionary. So how do you, um, how do you handle that? Is it, is it a uh, password list that is, cause it's, it's a, it's a moving document, right? It does. It's, it's going to change. Well, uh, name and passwords, you, you just reference it. And this is where I keep it. And it's up to that person, obviously, to, to do that. Well, there's a there's like three, there's a few things you can do. And frankly, none of them are that great uh, or haven't been tested very much, to be honest with you. Like there's not a whole lot of case law, um, you know, about, a you know, about an executor suing Coinbase for access to a, you know, a cryptocurrency wallet that just I mean, we have some laws, Ohio has digital asset laws, most states do. um, But they're still behind because by the time they wrote them, you know, now new things are coming out. So there's a few different things. And this sounds awful, but it's, you do the best you can. And and we we give ourselves a a decent chance. So obviously, first thing you want to do, make sure your attorney is up to date on the state and federal laws, whatever they are. So our our, our state here in Ohio, um, we have, you know, there's laws within our, you know, our, our probate code, our trust code, and our power of attorney laws um, have digital asset language that's been added into them in the last few years. So my financial powers of attorney uh, give the power of attorney, specific ability to access digital assets, online accounts, things like that. Um, And we make the language as broad as we can, because I'm sure 10 years from now, there's going to be something that I can't even imagine right now. Um, You know, and then also we put things in after someone dies that says the executor or trustee, you know, has the specific authority to access, you know, manage the content and then either pass on or close the accounts. Um, yeah, now- you know, I just thought of something else. You know, you think <laughs> about uh, non-fungible tokens, NFTs, and people are spending millions of dollars on digital art, essentially, uh, and, the, and the ownership is to them. So yeah, who, how, do you, how do you handle that? That's beyond, well, that's beyond a, a, a passcode. Yeah. And it's not like a fidelity account where you can just fill out the fidelity beneficiary. Form, <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> yeah. I know exactly. Right. Yeah. They, um, I'm sure if they've, someone's thought about that on their side, but yeah, you don't, you don't hear about it. No. Um, and then also, you know, even like Robin hood, 
Uh, and some of these online, even like just traditional bank account or brokerage accounts, a lot of some of these companies do not have a beneficiary option. Um, I don't want to, yeah. to badmouth them, but like a, like a payable on death option. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah they correct. they don't allow you to designate what happens when you die, which right. is ridiculous. Um, but you know, so you have to do a couple things. You know, make sure your attorney has the documents as as good as possible, as up to date as possible. Um, although secondarily, and I think Facebook was one of the first to do this, they have things where you can log into various accounts and set up like a digital executor or someone who legally can access the account if you pass away. Now, many places don't, but I know Facebook yeah. and some of the other ones allow that. So that's a good thing to do. Um, and then, you know, if it's an account with money, you know, like a bank account or something, if you can set a beneficiary, that's always great. Although not everywhere allows you to do it, but do it where you can. I know these crypto wallets and things like that, they don't let you do it. And I think a lot of them, they don't even, I think, aren't some of them anonymous? Yeah. Like who owns them? So I can't even prove that I own it. So how the heck can I set a beneficiary or how can my executor, you know, demand that it gets turned over to my estate when I'm gone, if you can't even prove that it's mine to begin with. Yeah. We don't know what to do with that. Honestly, we have no idea what to do. Whoever, whoever has the key in the end, but, and I'm not the expert on that. Um, uh, my good friend, Robert is, and he, that that's on the, uh, uh, the wiser crypto investor podcast, but uh, and I'll make, I'll probably have to bring that up on our next next topic, actually, because that that uh, I have questions about that too. But ultimately, I think it comes down to um, uh, you can access any of that stuff. Uh, well, I don't know; it gets complicated before <laughs> before you could just as long as you have a list of passcodes. And this is not my mom keeps it in this notebook, and it's, it's so annoying. She has to write it in. And, and but she's not tech savvy enough to use like LastPass or one password. But ideally, you want to use LastPass. It's an app. Um, it, it makes your passwords all be like squigglies and random letters. It's not, you know, the cat's name every or the dog's name, you know, with a one or an estimation point at the end uh, or one password is another good app that I've used in the past. And then you, you, you leave the master login for that. And that has all your logins. Yeah, that to me, that's really clean. Um, but what gets more complicated though, is even with, even with LastPass or one password, a lot of the apps are that I use, uh, or websites that I use require an authenticator on my phone. Right. So then mm -hmm. I might have the username and password, but then I have to have the authenticator app on my phone or, uh, at a minimum two factor authentication. So if I die, don't turn my phone off because. <laughs> that's where you're going to get the two-factor authentication to go to, right? So it, yeah. it, it gets very complicated. Well, you're exactly right. And, and I was going to say, this isn't ideal. And I don't even know how legal it is, but I have, I always tell people a master list of logins and passwords is a great idea. It's helpful. My wife and I, we use a password protected Microsoft Word document that's in a Dropbox uh, okay. that we share. Yeah. Not ideal. I haven't looked into the to the apps. Yeah, yet. you got you're young enough, Nick. You can use LastPass or or One Password. 
No, I, I mean, despite, I, I, I appreciate that. I guess I'm an old millennial, but I don't think I count because our first computer in our house ran DOS. Okay. So we had a computer growing up, but I sure as heck didn't use it. Um, (laughs) But um, so the password thing is good. And then also you talk about the, this extra security. That's one of the reasons I put very specific language in my documents saying they can access email accounts because you know, what about a login or two factor authentication, like to my Gmail account? Yeah. Um, Cause I think a lot of these say, do you want us to text or send an email? Um, right. For me, if you can get into my Gmail account, you're golden. If you can't uh, you're in big trouble. Um, and it hasn't had a whole lot of testing as far as like, if you, if my client died tomorrow and I called up Google and said, hey, here's the section of the document that says the executor has access to the deceased person's Gmail account, hand it over. You know, the, the law is kind of on our side here, but it's untested. And I don't know what would happen if Google said no way. Yeah. Like it's, it's that new. Um, and what do, we, what do we do about it? Frankly, do you sue Google to try and get in? I mean... For most estates, that's not worth it. They're they're yeah. banked much deeper than uh, your estate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so even when you're right and the language is correct, it's going to be really hard to to win or to get there. Yeah. Um, which is which is scary. Which is why I say have the the password list. Now there's obviously identity theft things to worry about there. Sure. Well, ultimately, what we, I think what I'm hearing from you is it's a two prong approach. One, you got to have a legal document that gives you authorization yeah. in, in a power of attorney. It's a power of attorney inside the power of attorney it gives you authorization to get into access to all digital assets and digital accounts. Uh, and then and then the uh, more common sense way is you're leaving your loved ones with the passcode to that to access all the username and passwords. So it's, it's really a two prong approach because yeah. they'll have to use that. In that case, they could use that POA, but only if they absolutely had to uh, from a digital asset standpoint or digital access standpoint. Well, right. And then also, and not to get ethical here, but if I have documents that say, if I die, my wife has the legal authority to access all my online and digital accounts. I could make a good argument that she's doing nothing wrong by using my passwords to log in. Yeah. Because she has the legal authority in a document to do it. Um, in case you want it in the power of attorney and also your, it's known as a testamentary document. So whether it's a will or trust that says, when I die, my yeah. representative yes. for my That's estate. Right. Um, so right. you want, so, so you want it both ways. Yeah. The power of attorney um, is for when we were alive. Yeah. And then the, the, the will is for after you've de- uh, deceased. Yeah, so that's so you're exactly right. Let them in, but give them legal authority to stand on um, in order to kind of help them get in. And and obviously, Casey, ten years from now, there'll be case law. This will all have changed, or it will have at least you know come out in the wash, and we'll know what we're dealing with. But it is uh, it is kind of the wild wild west from that standpoint. That, that's, um, yeah, that's very interesting. So I, I think ultimately, um, <laughs> once you turn 18, you need to have some form of basic estate planning done. And, and 
you know, that, that should be fairly straightforward when they're that young, when you have kids, uh, there's no, there's no option. Like you, you, how often are a husband and wife together without kids? Probably not as much as we would like, but husband and wife are, <laughs> are typically, you know, they drop the kids off the grandparents' house, they go to the movies or something, and they tragically die in a car accident. Uh, and with no estate planning, that could go really wrong. That could go really wrong. Yeah, we've especially if you have two loving grandparents. Imagine, imagine them fighting each other. Who's going to take the kids? Well, it happens, and sometimes they don't even mean to fight. But you know, if like if my like let's say my sister and her husband died tomorrow, and they had no plan, my wife and I would just out of obligation say we'll take their kids. You know, we have room, we have the house, we'll take them. Right. Um. But my guess is my dad would also out of obligation say, I'll take them because I'm grandpa. And I'm sure my brother-in-law's family out of obligation would say the same. And now we all show up in court looking at each other and it turns into, I'm the best option, your honor, because I'm better than everyone else. It's like a group interview where people end up turning on each other. So it just, there's nowhere good that that's going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, so, you know, it, it's, um, uh, in, in your practice, are you seeing, uh, any increase in younger people looking for estate planning or do you think it's just kind of the same it's always been? Cause I feel like, I feel like for whatever reason, it, it, there's more attention to it these days. I'm not sure why. I, it, yeah, it's actually really encouraging. I've had, I have a lot of younger clients, I would say under age 40. Um, It seems like the trigger is when they have kids. I don't have, you know, I think as soon as you get married, someone counts on you. It's a good idea. Um, But once you have kids, you have a a baby who literally relies on you to live, changes everything. I see a lot of it where someone has a kid or they get pregnant and the first kid's on the way. Uh, I have a lot of um, you know, young clients, young professionals, they're the ones who are the handlers, cover everything ahead of time. Um, you know, the non-procrastinators who want to get all their ducks in a row and they responsibly look down and say, my goodness, you know, while they're rocking baby to sleep, said, what would have happened if, if something happened to us when we went out on our date night, you know, while grandma was watching, uh, you know, Nick Jr. here. Right. Um, so I think it's encouraging. Um, COVID I think has been a lot of it, you know, regardless of what you think about COVID, it has, it has made, had passed away so that it, for, yeah. And they're, they're, they're talking about it. And obviously, you know, people have died. It seems like for some people it's been really nasty. And for some people it hadn't been a big deal at all. Um, COVID for me was great actually, because I never got sick and I had to stay in the basement. Um, we got a treadmill there, so I didn't have to mess with the kids or change any diapers. I didn't. <laughs> um, but I think that's brought, I think COVID has just brought some things from maybe number 10 on the priority list up to number four or five. Um, and we're seeing it with a lot of young professionals, people who worry about the what if with the kids and say, let's get this done now so I don't have to worry about you know, my kids being in trouble. So right. a tough thing that brought it to the top of the list, but I think it's a good result that people are 
getting their I's dotted and their T's crossed. Absolutely. Well, um, Nick, thank you for coming on a wiser retirement. And if you want to hear more from Nick, uh, take a look at his, uh, the complete estate planning podcast. You can listen to that anywhere you can find a podcast pretty much. Uh, Nick it was I enjoyed it. Thank you for the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks again for having me, Casey. Thanks for listening to a wiser retirement podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss any new episodes. We would also appreciate if you could leave a rating and review. If you have any questions about anything that was discussed today, head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore. This podcast is strictly for informational purposes only and is not to be considered as investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any financial products, securities, digital assets, or any other investment vehicles or a basis to make any financial decisions. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. The host and or guest may personally own securities, digital assets, or other investment vehicles mentioned on this podcast. Neither the host nor guest of the show are compensated for their participation and no referral fees are paid to or received by any host or guest for clients, listeners, or similar interests. Investments involve risk, and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor, tax professional, insurance professional, and or legal professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.